Hello and welcome to Jumpstart Weekly, the weekly Shonen Jump manga podcast. My name is Jeremy. And my name is Kevin. Every week we read all the chapters from Shonen Jump on Viz.com, as well as something else. And this week we are reading... Yawamushi Pedal. It's a bicycle manga. Yeah. It mentions how Lance Armstrong used to be real good at bikes, but then he got disqualified. I don't think it actually mentions that he got disqualified. It just... Because it talks about him... Because I believe the first volume of this was published before he got disqualified. See, if it specifically says he he was formerly in, held all these championships, which made me think it was published afterwards. I thought they were talking about before he got turned into an ace. Like, he was talking about the fact that, like, Lance Armstrong, before he got turned into an ace, had those things. Maybe. I don't know. Anyway, before we get to that, though, we have Shonen Jump to get through, so shall we start? Let's jump in. All right, so the title chapter this week was Jujutsu Kaisen, Chapter 56, The Origin of Obedience, Part 2. And we haven't talked about a chapter of Jujutsu Kaisen before, have we? Have you called it before? If one of us did, it would have been you. I don't think so once we shifted from covering all of them. I don't think I've called it. Because they were kind of like in the middle of an arc, and while some cool stuff was going on, there's almost always been another chapter that I wanted to talk about more. So this is the second chapter of the current arc, and I wanted to talk about it mostly because it was the cover chapter with some color pages in it, but also I am interested in where this arc is going. I kind of don't know who any of the characters are still, even after reading it, as long as I have been. Like, I'm not sure if the black, or I'm not sure if the dude with the black hair we're following is the main character, or... He is not. It's the guy with the... The lighter hair the, that's with the him? The lighter hair is the main character. Okay. I thought that might be the case, but I wasn't sure. The guy sure. with the black hair is kind of like the Sasuke of the the group. They're not direct rivals. Like, he's the senpai of the group. He's the older person who's been doing it longer, so he's, like, in, in charge of their team, essentially. Okay. So midway between, like, Sasuke and Kakashi. Yeah. Okay, cool. So they are investigating his old middle school because people who used to go there have been dying. Yep. And specifically, they find out it's people who pass under this bridge. And the guy with the black hair, whose name is Hushiguro, finds out his older sister also once went under that bridge. Yeah. Well, last week they had been thinking that it was because it was a popular bungee jumping spot. They had thought it was something to do with people bungee jumping off the bridge. So they said they tried that and it didn't work. And then this week they were like, oh, because he was talking to his older sister who had actually done it. She was like, no, we went at night and we crossed under the bridge. And so they specifically mentioned that in order to trigger a lot of these curses, you have to do some specific things. So boundaries are like a big deal. So it was as soon as they crossed into the river is when it happened. Yeah. I guess they found out last week that weird stuff starts happening about two weeks before the curse kills them. Yep. And someone who went under the bridge with Fushiguro's sister, like, has just had the weird stuff happening to her for about a week. Yep. So they're on kind of a time limit. And other than that, pretty standard shonen jump. Fushiguro tries to ditch his friends to go deal with it alone. He talks with, like, headquarters, and they're mentioning that this is looking like it might actually be too dangerous. So you guys... The headquarters says, you guys should all pull out. But he's like, no, my sister's involved, so I will go and leave the newbies behind. Especially because there's a time limit. Yep. Yeah, and then the newbies show up almost immediately, and they get under the bridge. And there's a cursed spirit there. But they're like, this probably is a coincidence and has nothing to do with what we're here to deal with. But 
it is trying to murder us, and that is the chapter cliffhanger. Yeah, and one thing I liked about it was the two newbies, the main character and the other girl, were both like, man, you were so absorbed in your own thoughts, you didn't notice us following you. Yeah. So that leads us to One Piece chapter 940, Sparks of Rebellion, which is a pretty good One Piece, because One Piece is kind of hitting that nice One Piece spot where everything they've set up is starting to come together. Yep. The one thing I didn't like it is the very first panel, which is Trafficker like in flashback, storming off mad that everyone's didn't trust his crew. Yeah. But I'm sure that will come back around. That just seems very quickly done. Yeah. Well, they have to go save his crew members and probably he went out to go do it. And obviously they all convinced Shinobu not to go murder them. Yeah. So meanwhile, we find out that the old poor guy who was following Zoro around is Toko's dad. Yep. And he's, like, beloved in the town, and he talks to Kanjiro like he used to know Kinemon, but they have no idea who he is. Yeah, I thought that was really great. They were just kind of pulling the, uh, I I don't actually know who that guy is, but he was so nice, and he did most of the talking, so it's Usopp and Nami, I think, are the two there, and they're like, wait, you don't know who he is either? They're like, no. We we have no idea. What? Well, why didn't you ask him? Like, why why did you just continue along this conversation like you guys were old friends? Yeah. And then meanwhile, in the prison, I guess not a lot's going on, but it felt like a lot reading it. Yeah. Luffy is still training. It gets late, so they're like, okay, stop beating him up for the night. We will continue tomorrow. Even though he's been beating up everyone else and hasn't taken any damage, but yeah. And Raizu and Caribou shows up, and Caribou's like, please let me join you, Luffy-senpai. I've changed, definitely. And Luffy's like, well, if you've changed, I guess it's fine. And then he has this internal monologue of like, wait, that was too easy. Now I'm really worried. (laughs) And also, the old mafia boss, whose name I should have written down. I will write it down for the future. Hayagoro the Flower. Yes, it is. Hey, you remembered a name. That's weird. I'm fairly good with interesting names like that. Okay, fair enough. He's like, hey, most of the prisoners here are actually like political prisoners or people who tried to rise up against the shogun in the past. So if we do a jailbreak, we'll have a whole bunch of warriors. Yeah, which is kind of like a cool thing of like, oh, no, they figured out our plans. Well, I mean, we've got like hundreds of dudes who are pissed off against the Orochi in here. It's like, oh, that ends up working out perfectly. And the last page is Big Mom almost getting to the jail. Be like, hey, where's those sweets you promised me? Yeah, he's like, oh, well, we just entered Udon, but the Snackodile or something like that, when they had a weird name for the croco- giant crocodile that they're writing, is like getting a little worn out. And yeah. then Chopper thinking to himself, do I actually want to get there now? Which brings us to My Hero Academia number 225, Interview with a Vampire, which is not a bad reference, even though not really a lot of interviewing goes on. A lot of attempt at interviewing goes on. Yeah. This is basically a toga chapter from the point of view of Curious, who is the reporter trying to get her story. Yes, who has her quirk landmine. Anything she touches, she can cause to explode. The explosions don't have much force, so she tends to use quantity over quality. Yeah, and she has apparently trapped all the blood of all the revolutionary fighters with her because Togas tries to take their blood and then it explodes. Yep. And we get out little bit of Toga's background. In middle school, she was like a, you know, typical cheery kid. And it's implied that then she murdered somebody and ran away. Although the details, like I said, are pretty scarce because Toga doesn't want to talk about it. Yeah. I, I thought this chapter was interesting. It was an interesting insight into her mind of she was like, 
the interviewer is trying to be like, why did you snap and break away from normal? And Togo's response to that is, this is my normal. Yeah. And she's got this, like, wicked grin on her face. Yeah, and I do like Toga as a character, so I like yeah. the idea of going into her background. This just seems like a pretty, shallow is not the right word for it, but a starter chapter within what already feels like an arc that's struggling to start. Yeah. So, I enjoyed it, but not amazing. Same. And speaking of that, next we have Chainsaw Man Chapter 19, Nobel Prize. Which, unfortunately, is not the payoff you want it to be with that title. No. And really, you talked in the first chapter about how the art in Chainsaw Man kind of gave you pause and you weren't as excited about it as I was. Yeah. That was really the case in this chapter for me. It's really when he's got his chainsaw mode activated that the art kind of goes to crap. Yeah. And that's most of this chapter? Unfortunately, yes. There's some kind of cool splashback stuff where the eyepatch captain lady, whose name Hamano, gets some flashbacks to her superior being like, hey, only crazy devil hunters are any good. Because normal ones get scared, and that's what devils feed off of. Yeah, so the ones with the little screws loose are unpredictable, so the devils cannot trick them into doing what they want, so that's the reason why they're so good. Yeah, and Denji's chainsaws retract, but also he is causing the Eternity Demon to bleed, so he can then, like, drink the blood, and that gives him the energy to pop his chainsaws again. Yep. And so he's like, ha, I've accidentally created a perpetual motion machine. Yes. Which is how he beats the Eternity Demon, which is a cool idea, but the art is so muddied in it, you can't really tell what's going on. Yeah, I, like, eventually I kind of just stopped really focusing on the art and just kind of focusing on the idea of what was going on. Like, he spent, I think they said it was like a day and a half just mauling this thing from the inside until eventually I was like, here, here's my core, just kill me, stop it already, Jesus. And Hamano apparently watched the whole thing, because it ends with her, like, climbing into bed with Aki and be like, hey, we won, we're free, also, I'm gonna take a nap now. Yep. So, like, the ideas are good, but it has a very, like, literal show-don't-tell problems, and that the art is very bad and needs the writing to tell us what's going on. Yeah, and that was kind of unfortunate. Which leads us to the chapter you wanted to talk about, Act Age, Scene 62, Shinjuku. Yep. So, what did you think of Act Age this week? I liked Act Age this week. I think it didn't suffer as much from the, oh my god, look at how good her acting is. Like, there was still a little bit of it, but it didn't feel as forced. It felt like they were still telling, you know, oh, look at what she's doing, but you kind of have to do that with some of the things. But the artwork actually went along with what she was doing, rather than just, like, showing us still shots of the actors being like, look at how good their acting is. like. So, apparently she's shooting, Kay is shooting a music video with her producer buddy, who is apparently, who's that guy from Dead Rising 2? (laughs) Frank West. Yeah, he's apparently Frank West, because like, oh yeah, that guy was a, like, war documentarian a long time ago, so he's actually really good at working a camera. So they go to a, like, a crowded, they go to a subway station to shoot this shot for the music video, and they're like, all right, so we're just going to have you listening to the music and just kind of like reacting to it. And we're going to take shots and then we're going to turn that into the video. And so they're talking about how she's kind of like dancing to the music and she's doing it differently. And then she and the producer kind of start getting in sync where she is dancing into the shots like she's dancing into his shot and he's starting to anticipate her to like be where she's already going to go. So they're lining up the shots perfectly. And it just, it sounded pretty cool. 
and it didn't unlike with when we started with them in the galactic railroad it didn't feel like them just being like look at how good their acting is like i could see that to explain it a little bit but i could at least get the idea of what was happening with what she was doing during the music video shoot see in contrast to you i was a lot colder on this chapter of act age than the more recent arc i still thought it was pretty good all the stuff you're talking about i did kind of enjoy but i don't really know where it's going and that's fine it's the first chapter but I don't know, something about it didn't really click with me, especially because I'm not saying being in a music video doesn't require acting skills. Certainly it does. But I don't think that's like the venue where you prove you're a super good actor. And I don't mind that acting so good it's a superpower as much as I do the stuff about, oh, she's acting so hard she might lose herself aspect of it. That's what bugs me more. Mm -hmm. And this chapter opens with a bunch of that, and that comes off as weird and pretentious to me. In a way that I act so good it's a superpower doesn't really. I gotcha. I did like the chapter overall, but less than weeks recently. Yeah. Which brings us to Hellwarden Higama, chapter 17, Hellwarden, in which Higama basically beats Akagne, who is the molten. I wrote down his name this time. I got it. Yep. Well, it to memory now. He convinces Akagne to leave right as they're attacked by another demon to save the hell warden and then saved by two other hell wardens at this there's there's like a lot of deus ex machina going in there for literally for both sides the demons try and stop the molten from fighting higama and two other hell wardens show up to save higama from the demon and it's specifically the demon that we saw like work the magic on his aunt yeah well it's him and it's actually specifically he get he gets another demon to do something with explosions. Yeah. But he's like, you know what to do. Go do it. And it looks like the two wardens that saved him might be his ghost dad and aunt. It's hard to tell if that's literal or if we're no. going to find out they just look like them. I think it was just, I think because they're all related, because they're all from the same family. I believe it was the dude that they were talking about going to the fireworks with, like his... That would make sense, too. Especially because when they're in uniform, they tend to all look very similar. I just wasn't sure. I have my last note is ghost dad and aunt question mark. I do like that Hakagne got out of this without dying because that sets him up yes. for future appearances. And he's probably the most interesting character in this series so far. Yeah. But again, it didn't it wasn't the conclusion I really wanted to this fight. Either. No, it, which is kind of a problem with Hellwarden overall. Yeah. It's got a lot of good ideas, but they don't always come together as well as you want. Like, honestly, I would have been fine without the Deus Ex Machina. Like, he manages to somewhat defeat Akagne, and he goes like, all right, you do have guts. I am going to leave you alone now. Like, yeah. he even says that literally. He was like, I was leaving anyway. Why did you show up with these flashbangs? Yeah. Or whatever they were. It was like, you, you literally had the ending that I wanted, and you instead stripped it away for, oh, well, we'll just have the higher-ups be like, no, 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 we need to stop this fight now. Yeah, there's even a bit where he cuts off the arm that Akagne told him, if you can cut this off, I won't kill you. And he's like, oh, yeah, but you're, it's not that impressive. Your dad did that, too. Yeah, because Higuma notices, he's like, huh, that didn't feel like I cut through his arm, and then he notices the entire thing was copper. So, like, yeah, your dad did that long beforehand. I've been using a copper arm this whole time. Yeah. It wasn't bad, but... No. Yeah, Higuma, I'm getting colder and colder on, I feel like. It's got a lot of art problems. It wasn't nearly as bad as Chainsaw Man was this week, but the art doesn't excite me, yeah. which is what you want in any fight scene. Which leads us to something entirely different. We never learned question 108, Spirits on the Sand Draw Tomorrow's X, part two. 
like always, my we never learn notes seem great when I'm taking them, and then I stare at them and are like, "What what does this note mean?" Basically, we're continuing the story from last week where Maid Senpai is just in a funk because of finding out that her dad is closing down the clinic. Yeah, so she forgot her notebook, she forgot a pencil, she's kind of spacing out in class, and Yugiha's like, hey, is everything okay? She's like, yeah, yeah, everything's fine. And then she's like, I just, I gotta go to work, okay? He's like, okay. And he's walking along and he sees two of the other people that work at the maid cafe talking about, oh, we gotta get, we're doing like a nurse cosplay event tomorrow or in a couple of days, and we have the day off for this one thing. Like, the, the shop is closed. To get so, ready for it. To get ready for it. And he's like, wait, the, the shop is closed? Then why did she say she had work? And so he runs back to where she was, and he sees her out in the rain staring at the the picture that she drew of her working at the clinic. Yeah, and then she loses it, and it falls in the river, and Yugiya tries to get it, but she stops him. And she tells him, hey, yeah, they just opened a big hospital nearby, and Big Farm has taken all my dad's patients. Yeah, And he doesn't have as much stamina, so he's closing down the shop. Well, and even we get some flashbacks into more of the conversation that him and his him and her mother were having, where he's like, I want what's best for the patients. And that big hospital, like, it seems the evil villain because it's shutting down the small clinic, but he's like, but they have really good equipment and really good staff and personnel there. Like that is what's best for the patients to have this giant hospital nearby. Like that's great for them. So while it's a little sad that I have to shut down, I want what's best for them. Yeah. So and then there's this great joke I like where Yugi is trying to comfort her, and she is, you know, like, "Ah, oh, you're the younger one. I'm supposed to be doing this for you." And he stops saying, "No, keep petting my head, you dumbass." Yep. And then it ends with him showing back up at the cafe. And she's there, and she's like, I thought you didn't need to work anymore. I was like, yeah, well, I asked for, like, one day. He's like, and then he's like, senpai, let's play doctor together. And then it ends on this amazing face of her. Yes. Like, in the role reversal, we never learned has is very good at that cartooning with, like, showing girls and Yu-Gi-Oh embarrassed, but it very rarely treats it like a chapter cliffhanger. Yeah. So it really stood out to me. Yeah, it was really good. And that brings us to Demon Slayer, chapter 155, Useless Kamainu. Kamainu? That's how I'm going to pronounce Kamenu? it. Kamenu? It's got an AI, so... I don't know. Kamainu doesn't sound right, but it looks right, so... That's what I'm going with. So it's this is more of the demon's backstory, basically. Yep. He was going to get married to the sick girl when she got better, and like the master of the dojo wanted him as his heir because he was his only student. Yep. And she liked him, so he's like, ah, perfect. This works out great. Yeah, well, she liked him because even though she was almost deathly ill and like she was like, even my dad has given up on me, but he told her at one point, well, hey, if you think, do you think you can go see the fireworks? Well, I mean, I guess it's okay if you can't this year because it'll always be next year and the year after that. He's like, the fact that you treated me like a person who wasn't going to die tomorrow, like I had a future at all, made me really like you. Yeah. So he goes to like pray at his dad's grave before the wedding. Yep. And like be like, "Hey, I'm going to be able to live a normal life." And yeah. And then he yeah. gets back to the dojo to find out that his master and the girl had both been murdered. They were poisoned. Yeah, by a rival dojo who could never beat him. Yep. 
So he goes and murders 67 of their students with his bare hands. I think it was like the entire dojo. Like it, it, it meant it mentions the 67 people, but they were like, he went to the dojo and killed all 67 of its members. Yeah. And like so gruesomely that 30 years later, they destroyed the record of it as like this couldn't possibly have happened. Yep. Which and, as a detail, I really like. Yeah. And so they had Muzan show up, who's the head demon. And he was like, I was hearing reports of a demon in this area, and I don't remember ever planting one here, so I came to investigate. But you're just some regular old human. And so, to show his gratitude, he stabs him in the face with his arm, like punches through his face. And he's like, well, if you can accept the amount of blood that I'm giving you, I'm going to create 12 super powerful demons. So I'm going to create the 12 upper moon demons. If you manage to live through this, you'll become one of them. Yeah, and he did, and then he's like, after that, I lost my memories, and just was like, I need to get stronger. Yeah, he's like, I lost my memories, but never the drive to get stronger. So yeah, it's pretty good chapter. I'm liking Demon Slayer a lot recently. I think the anime starting has a little bit to do with that as well. Oh, uh, the effects on the water techniques look so good. Yeah, I was worried the anime wasn't going to be able to replicate what the manga does, and I do have some problems with the anime, but... And it doesn't really replicate what it does in the manga, but they look very good on their own. Yeah. And well, it's cool that they the the strong points are the same, but different is cool. Yeah. And we've only seen the water techniques in the opening. We haven't seen them being like we've really just kind of seen the water flowing. We haven't actually seen them like doing any of the techniques, but it looked really good. And I've I liked this chapter as well. I think obviously we're going to get something with this. Upper Moon, because it would be very weird to go through, like, three chapters of backstory, and it'd be like, and then he died. <laughs> it would be, yes. Although that's, I feel like One Piece has done that, although in One Piece, villains never die. They just get Gum Gum rocketed to the moon to show up six arcs later. Yep. Oh, speaking of which, so it was Bartolomeo. Yeah, he who, was in the opening. He was in, yeah, he was in the cover. <laughs> the most random cover request I can imagine, which might be why Odai picked it, but... yeah. But anyway, I just thought it was we were like, oh, we could remember that guy's name. Oh, he was the cover request. Excellent. It was that guy. <laughs> Which brings us to the last Sayuki chapter, eight, Ally. Speaking of series I'm really into of late. I mean, I've always been pretty into last Sayuki, but the last couple of chapters especially. Yeah. Whew, this was fun. Yes. It, and talking earlier about how Hellward and Higuma, the fight scenes, don't really do much for me. Uh, there is some stuff in Last Sayuki that I wish was a little more detailed, but every beat looks really cool. Yep. And while I had to look at some of it twice, a lot of it is because the ideas are just kind of weird. And once I figure out what's going on, it's really cool. Yeah. Like at one point, he turns the Niobu into basically a cape to block his arm. Yeah. For a moment. It was more like he exp like I got the idea that he expanded it more like a club. I guess that makes sense, but the it's also kind of flowy because he can bend it. Yeah. So it looks like. It, it's like his. It extended off of his fingers, so it, like you said, a cloak or a cape or something. But I get where you got a little. Like I kind of understood what was going on with that when he said expand. I was half expecting him to make it look like a baseball bat. That would make a lot of sense given the earlier chapters. Yeah. But anyway, it looks really cool, and he basically ends the fight by taking control of the other guy's Niobu and just like having it smack him in the face. He he literally grows a fist out of it. It's yes. as a branch, but ends up as a fist. Yeah, it looks like an arm him. growing out of his Niobu, because Kai sticks his in the ground and sends it under the ground to attack Ryunosuke, and so Ryunosuke attaches his Niobu to Kai's Niobu and then can control it. Yeah, which was just super cool. 
And so Kai's like, hey, you're kind of a badass. And also, I like you because you were nice to this girl who I'm saying is my sister. Yep. Although at the beginning, uh, Ryunosuke is like, hey, I, I don't understand what she did to me, but I suddenly understand a lot of things, including that you are not really her sister. Yeah. Or she is not really your sister, I guess. Yeah, like she doesn't know you. Yeah. And he's like, hey, you should join me. But before Ryunosuke can like even consider an answer, he gets his head shot off by a Niobu from off screen. <laughs> yep, like everybody has died ever. It's a <laughs> Niobu from off screen. <laughs> well, that's that's the best way to do it. Yeah. <laughs> it always looks good. It does. Like, I'm not I'm not complaining. It's just funny that it's like, all right, Niobu to the head from off screen. And then we cut to Kai elsewhere playing a Super Nintendo. Yeah. It's straight up a Super Nintendo. It's the same controller. It's got a yep. cartridge in it and everything. He's like, huh, maybe I should have gone myself instead of sending a copy. Oh, well. And we see the guy who killed him as well as his, like, female companion who's kind of freaking out. She gives me kind of my from uh, King of Fighters vibes. Although okay, yeah. not that sexualized and yeah, younger. I, yeah, but I, I get what you're coming from, yeah. I don't really know how to describe the guy. He looks like uh, he looks like a Shikamaru with long hair, kind of. That's that's not quite right. Just read the chapter and yeah. look at him. He looks cool. I didn't need... He does. He does have a very striking visual. Yes. And he was like, "Hey, hey, guys. Uh, what's Son Goku's half do? Other half doing here?" And that's the chapter cliffhanger. Yeah, and he's apparently talking to Ryunosuke's dad. Yeah, who is like got his head bowed and is silent. Yeah, presumably he's one of the members of Ryunosuke's dad's group. Yeah. Also, something I want to touch a little bit more on. So we definitely have more between the fact that Koharu and Ryunosuke are connected. Even at one point, they have this cool, they have like this like lightning going between their heads that goes like through the panel break or the yeah. panel border that looked really cool. Just to emphasize the fact that they're like, our minds are connected, which is why I'm able to control the Niobu so well. Yes. Anyway, really liking Last Sight Yeah, I mean, I already was, but it has really kicked up. Yep. Which brings us to the Promised Neverland Chapter 132, Punitive Expedition. A little better than last week, but still in that transition-y phase. This is mostly from the point of view of the Demon Nobles. Yep. And they're basically like, hey, our farms keep getting attacked by bandits. We have to do something. We have to have a strong show of force. Yeah. So we're going to raise an army and deal with them. Well, not just we are going to send the army. Yeah. Like they mentioned that like they didn't have to raise it. They're like, we're going to call in all the troops because the demons have been raiding the Lambda farms. So if they've been eating the Lambda farm material, they're going to be super powerful and super intelligent. So we're going to have to deal with them now. And so we're going to send the entire army because we can, they've only been attacking these areas. So can, we can kind of narrow down an area of where they are. And we're going to attack them there. Yes. And we cut from there to basically Norman on a chessboard being like, ha, they've activated my trap card. This is exactly what I planned. They think it's demons just like I want when really it's me. And in eight days, we can really start my plan. The only problem is going to be the blood of the evil clan, but I've got a plan for that too. Yep. We'll be okay. Yeah. And he's like, we're also sending them somewhere that we're not so that they will, they won't find this hideout because I managed to trick them into thinking that we're somewhere else. Yeah. And then the last page is Ray and Emma going through, having gone through the gate, I guess. We don't see yes. them actually go through. They're like, hey, didn't we go through the gate to, like, the other seven walls? Isn't that where we're supposed to be? Yeah, they're like, why? this isn't what the picture looked like in the temple. And they're like, yeah, why is Grace Field House here? Yeah, and that's the cliffhanger. Yeah, which is a pretty good cliffhanger. Yeah. I like this chapter of 
Promise Neverland. Uh, it's not as good as some of the really high emotional beats that they've had in the past week, but that was kind of like the end of that arc. So yeah. kind of hard for the beginning of a new arc to compare to that. And last but not least, we have Food Wars Chapter 308, He Who Conquers, which is, I guess, exactly the chapter we were expecting. Yeah. Saiba made basically shark fin pot pie with Turkish ice cream ravioli in it. Yes. They mention it's a Japanese dish. Yes. It's like a soup that you put in a pie. Yeah, but it definitely just looks like pot pie. That's the reference I have for it. Yeah, but it's got less... Like, it's literally a soup inside a pie crust, as opposed to, like, pot pie is usually... A little thicker. A little thicker, yeah. And also, the judges from the Team Shokugeki are here. So they can get naked, presumably. Yes. They get dragon quested by how good the food is, and they just, like, turn into hot dragon quest monster ladies. Yep. Uh, Not my favorite hot lady art. No. But I know that is for someone, and I don't want to yuck their yum. Yep. And so Bookmaster likes Saiba's dish so much that she's like, give me some of his dish. I will try it. Yeah. And she nakeds the entire arena. Yeah. Even though she's like nowhere near, they're like, wow, the I haven't seen the gifting at this level at this level in a while. Yeah. Yeah. And so then it basically ends on Soma just looking grumpy and unimpressed. Yep. So like I said, exactly the chapter we were pretty much expecting. Yeah. It was... One thing that I did kind of like about it was somebody points out, it was like, well, wasn't Saiba supposed to be making a dish that no one's ever made before? But it's exactly like this other dish, just made in such a way that's never been made before. Yeah. And, you know, the judges are all like, oh, but this is incredible. Like, this is like five chefs taking, who can't even communicate, somehow making all of their stuff work together. Like, it should have been impossible, but it wasn't. But I just feel like, I feel like the way the thing's going is Soma's dish is going to be something literally no one has seen before and still work and will be even more impressive that way. Like, sure, Saiba managed, somehow managed to make all of this work together, but it was still within the realm of the possible as much as everyone says it was impossible versus Somos will literally be somebody, someone looking at it going like that. I've never seen anything like that before. Yeah. So... Food Wars is always good, but again, it was pretty typical. Yeah. Like I said, exactly the chapter I was expecting. Yep. So I guess we will see how it fares when we get to Jump Card. Jump Card is the segment where we rank all the chapters we read from our least favorite up to our favorite. There were 16 this week. So, Kevin, what do you have at number 16? At number 16, I have Haikyuu. Hey, me too. So I liked Haikyuu a bit more than in weeks past, not to cut you off. Yeah. I found this week's Shonen Jump, it was weirdly backloaded. All the stuff I really liked was in the back. Everything yeah. in like the front half, with the exception of like One Piece and My Hero, were kind of eh. 
Um, not as yeah. good as I was hoping for. A little bit disappointing. But like even the chapters I don't usually like, things like Haikyuu uh, and other stuff near the bottom of my list, wasn't that bad. No, so- it was just kind of the bottom by the fact that it was like, all right, so they're getting ready to get into the next set, and there's like a ton of volleyball stuff that I don't understand. There's a ton of volleyball strategy, and I appreciate that, even though I don't understand it. I can kind of get the gist of what's going on. Yeah, like, I understood what they were trying to do with the volleyball strategy. Oh, we've got to make sure that, like, we've got different rotations to deal with their weak points and our strong points, and we're talking about coaching things, but it was all like, this is a strategy that, if I had been reading Haikyuu, I'd probably understand, because they will have explained the reason why these things are important, but, like, I literally don't understand what changing up the position on the court matters like are they not able to switch up in the middle of the game or something like that is is there's some weird rotation rules that have to be followed and some of the philosophy stuff was like at the better end of where haikyuu is with it yeah i was kind of not expecting it to be the bottom when i ranked it but everything was i think a little better than normal or i guess the stuff i don't typically like was a little better than normal and even though all the stuff i do like was a little worse than normal the back half of the book was really strong so yeah and this one did open with a colored two-page spread of the results of their... They did, like, a match oh, yeah, poll. Char- yeah. So instead of doing a character poll, they did, like, a poll of which ma- like which games did you like the most. Yeah. Which is an interesting difference. I would love to yeah. see, like, a Naruto fight poll, for example. Yeah. Yeah. That, I'm, I'm sure they've done that before. So that was, that was kind of cool. But just not my favorite chapter. So my number 15... Was Yui Kamiyo, because, again, the jokes just don't land for me. My number 15 was also Yui Kamiyo. A couple of the jokes did land for me, but the, like, overall plot of this chapter seemed like a real mess. Yeah. And it didn't quite work. There were some things about it I enjoyed, a couple of the one-offs. Like, there's a bit where the main character just throwing money into the air to solve his problem, and that's a joke that always gets me anytime it's used. Yeah, I mean, that was pretty funny when he was like, thank God I'm rich and just have this giant stack of money to distract the basketball players. But yeah, it, like you said, the plot was just kind of rambling and didn't seem to really go anywhere. And because most of the jokes didn't land, like it was like, all right, so the joke with the money was pretty funny. But I was already most of the way into the chapter before that happened. and was like, I can see they're trying to be funny here, but it just it's not funny to me. Yeah, and I have a overall better impression of you Kamiya than you did but this chapter really seemed like a mess to me so even though i was occasionally laughing at it i was difficult to put it any higher than here yeah it's probably just not my kind of humor so i'm i'm just not finding it the funny. characters are all weak the main character gets a little bit better as time goes on but her friend while i want to sympathize with her like they do a thing where she's clearly has a crush on yui which is kind of funny but also she's kind of shipping her and the main character and yeah. that's kind of inconsistent. And also, she's a seems like a terrible person for trying to restrain Yui's free will to me if you want to take the metaphor anywhere. Yeah. So it's hard to sympathize with her. Yui's just like such a cookie cutter, both as her in her block of wood form and her like punk form. Yeah, well, and in this punk form, she seems mostly normal. Yeah, exactly. She which seems was, like Yeah, which was really all the other time she's been this crazy demon that it's like yep we definitely need to stop her but this one it was like i the only reason they're trying to stop her is because they've basically been told to try and stop her yeah like she seems to be i'm just running away from you because you want to get rid of me kind of thing which is like that's a totally normal reaction to somebody basically trying to kill you yeah 
from a metaphysical standpoint. Yeah, it's very, very strange. What do you have at number 14? Number 14, I have Neolation, because we're back to hacking wizardry and random, all right, guys, we're going to team up to do the thing for some reason. See, I like Neolation a bit more this week. I will get into it later. Like I said, all of the stuff that I usually put low did a little better this week. The jokes in Neolation, I think, are really what saved it for me this week. I actually had some laugh-out-loud moments. It was funnier than Yui Kamiya TV, for example. Okay. And the plot worked a little better. Maybe I've just accepted bullshit hacking Neo. Like, here's definitely a part where he's just making dudes' phones explode. Like, that's his thing. And I'm like, well, I guess that is your thing. But he's doing it from a distance, timing it perfectly to distract the dude while the one chick that's on his team is going to save somebody. It's like, really? I mean, come on. I mean, I don't like it, but I think I've accepted it more. Uh, Number 14 for me was Dr. Stone. And I mean, it was just Dr. Stone. And I couldn't really tell you why I put it so low. Something about the chapter rubbed me the wrong way. And I can't really put exactly what my finger is on it. So it was my number 13. And I can tell you exactly why I put it so low. It's because for this list, I basically went top down. And it just ended up at the bottom. I just put a ton, I put everything else above it. So it was like I put Haikyuu, Neolation, and Yuakimio down at the bottom because I, di- I really didn't like them. And then Dr. Stone just happened to end up at number 13 because, like, not a whole lot happened. They made it to the island. They, they actually had a pretty cool two-page panel shot of the interior, like, uh, a cross-section of the ship. And, like, this is where the science lab is and... This is where the sleeping quarters are. And even the captain being like, oh, when you're going down the rails, put your hand underneath it with a backhand grip. And that will keep you from staggering if the ship pitches like a little seafaring knowledge for you. I was like, I liked it. I just liked everything else more. See, and I don't do it that way. And there are lots of stuff that I didn't really like. But I'm like, yeah, but it was better than Dr. Stone this week. And I don't really know what it was. I can't put my finger on it. Why it got so low. My number 13, I should say then, is Black Clover, speaking of unlucky numbers, because just it was the Black Clover I don't like. The fight scene was kind of a mess. I don't have as much investment as Yami as I do in, like, Asta and Yuno. Yep. And th- th- them fighting Satan's okay, but it's just okay. Yep. So my number 12 was Hellborn Higuma, because I just, I think it was really just the Deus Ex Machina at the end, like we talked about with the chapter. It was kind of like, you kind of ruined your own ending to the fight. And that kind of sucks. Like, he had done it. He had succeeded in beating the demon, or at least convincing the demon to leave him alone. And then he got saved anyway. And that kind of ruins the whole point of the fight. Yeah. Uh, My number 12 was Chainsaw Man. I really struggled on where to put Chainsaw Man because I like the text of it, but the art was so bad. Yeah. But manga, I think, and any comic, art is more important than words, so... Yeah. Here's where it goes. So my number 11 was Black Clover. I liked it slightly better than you because I am more invested in the characters. I liked the, we have the cliffhanger at the end is the bird that, and you would probably wouldn't know this. Oh yeah, I also had no idea what was going on with that. So that bird has been following Astro around the entire series and something has been up with it because the bird has been following him around and we've seen it do some weird things. But all of a sudden, it starts talking. I didn't know this was the first time it had talked. Yes. That would make this chapter far more exciting to me, I think. First time it had talked, first time we finally figure out kind of what's going on. 
Like, it's been kind of leading Asta towards the Magic Stones. That's the reason why a lot of them had been found. And so it finally gets, I don't remember his name, but the guy who can create gates is like, hey, you need to take me to the wizard statue or the demon's bones right now. And so that's the bones kind of outside Asta's village. It's like the giant skull where a statue of the first wizard king is. Mm -hmm. And they place the stones in the statue of the wizard king. And then there's a cracking noise coming from the statue. And that's the end, the kind of chapter cliffhanger. So I'm really interested to see where that goes. But it wasn't a super solid chapter. It just kind of went up on my list because I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. We finally get to know what the deal is with this bird. Like, it's literally been following Astro around for, what is this, 200 chapters almost? And we finally get to figure out what it's doing. So I put Act Age at number 11 because, like I said, it just didn't really do much for me. It doesn't, like, sour the experience. I'm still excited to read Act Age next week. But this chapter, like, it was cool to see her kind of manager boss guy be a cameraman it's cool that he's kind of in her party and has a skill but the music video stuff it was well drawn but it just didn't do anything for me and the opening of the chapter kind of soured me on the whole experience i gotcha so my number 10 was chainsaw man again like you said mostly because of the art i i liked the fact that he was like oh if i just drink your blood that can continue my chainsaws going which will give me which will make you bleed more, which will give me more blood so I can keep hurting you. And he's like, I accidentally created a perpetual motion machine. Here comes my Nobel Prize. Like, I thought that was pretty funny that he took over Powers' thing of like, oh, I'm going to get a Nobel Prize. Well, I've created a perpetual motion device. That's worthy of a Nobel Prize. <laughs> what, I, if Technically, yes. My number 10 is Neolation. Like I said, I liked it a bit better than you, mostly the jokes. Basically, the plot is that there's this girl who goes to the other girl's school i can't remember anyone's name in neolation i didn't even write him down except neo obviously yep who's like this weird youtube like hobbyist yeah she's uh, the loser tube champion i think is her nickname because she she has problems connecting with people or she had problems like making friends or wanting to go outside but she found that on youtube she could get at least some people understanding her. She's like, there'd be a ton of negative comments, but there would be some positive ones. And that made me feel better. So I kept doing like random things on the internet. Yeah. And it does seem like her view count is fine. Like, yeah, it, it seems like a lot of people tune in to watch because she's doing silly things. It's like those Japanese game shows you're like watching just to see what's going to happen kind of thing. Yeah. And anyway, she, the friend comes up to Neo's like, oh, my friend got kidnapped. And Neo's response is just like, your friends get kidnapped a lot. Ah. Yep. And I kind of like that meta joke. And then also when she tells him who it is, Neo's like, oh, I'm a fan of hers. She took my video idea, which was to cosplay as a die, throw herself down the stairs and ask random passersby a question, depending on what she rolled on. Yes. And the one question she's shown <laughs> asking is, how much would you pay to go out with me? Yeah. And they're both like, Neo, you're a horrible person. What is wrong with you? Yeah. And like, it was funny. And again, when they do the coordinated strike thing, like, I didn't love it, but I at least liked their outfits. Yeah. And there were some cool shots of it. And I guess Neo can just make people's phones explode. I'm supposed to accept that. That is always going to, like, hurt a little bit. But he, Yeah, he leveled up to where he... You uh, can do that at will now. <laughs> yeah, he's just like, all right, I can just make people's phones explode. But I always like Neolation's, like, arc starts more than their arc finishes. So. Yeah. But anyway, the jokes really worked for me, so that's why I got so high. So my nine was Jujutsu Kaisen. Hey, mine too. I'm interested to see where this arc goes. Like, this is going to be pretty cool. So the one monster or the one cursed spirit that's attacking him at the end 
was the one that they created out of one of the weird embryos that they stole out of the school on their heist. When they So they stole a bunch of Sakina's fingers and these three monster embryos. So we're going to see this first one was just fused with some random dude. So they're probably going to fuse them with more powerful things to fight later on in the arc. But there's some interesting stuff going on, so I was kind of interested in it. Yeah, same. And like it's got that Shonen friendship stuff that's always my bag, as well as all these characters being related to the main ones, Yep, which makes for good storytelling stuff. So it's good setup. Yeah. So my number eight was Demon Slayer. I do like more backstory into this Upper Moon 3. We should really probably learn his name next week, especially if he's going to have a change of heart. I assume it's Komainu. I thought that was the girl's name. Maybe? I don't know. We should learn his name. I'll put that on the to-do list. But I was like, oh, this is pretty cool. But it was like all backstory stuff. So it was interesting. I, I liked reading it. And like I said, this is leading me to think that there is going to be a character shift in him. And he is going to help them out fight Muzan. Yeah. Kind of thing. That would make sense. Or he'll come back later. Possibly. For another arc. My number eight was Hellward and Higama, because even though I agree with you that the conclusion kind of got ruined, it was still a conclusion, and mostly I'm just really glad that Akagne didn't die. Like, I keep wanting Hellwarden to have some characters recur, yeah, and they always end up dying, so I was pretty happy that he'll be back, since he's by far the most interesting thing to happen in this series so far. Yep. So my number seven was Act Age. I, I really liked it, because I know it wasn't, it hasn't been as powerful as some of the last chapters for the last arc, which was way more character-driven. But I was just excited to see that we got to see Kay acting better without just people explaining that she's a really good actor. And I kind of like the dynamic and the idea of her doing this music video where they're like, all right, well, we're just going to kind of let you go and we're going to shoot a bunch of stuff and then edit that into something cool. And them doing this dancing thing through the subway station as they're like, you know, dancing up and down the escalators and stuff. And then the chapter cliffhanger is like, this was the video that catapulted her into the media limelight. Like, she had been in the movie, she had been in the thing, but she hadn't really been publicized much. So, like, this was going to be the really big publicized thing of like, hey, you've seen her in this, you've seen her in this, here she is in this music video. Yeah. I don't know. I'm more excited to see that than I was excited by the chapter saying, hey, this is it. Well, I mean, they they still might. They just... Well, I know they might, but that just didn't do anything for me in this chapter. Yeah, I got you. So my number seven is Food Wars, because like I said when you were talking about it, it's exactly the chapter I expected. Food Wars is always pretty good, but nothing really excited me about it. Yeah. So what do you have at number six? At number six, I have We Never Learn. Hey, me too. I liked it. It was cute. It was cute. The cliffhanger at the end really worked for me in a way that we never learned yep. doesn't really do cliffhangers and again it wasn't anything that we never learned's never done before but it all worked and we never learn is always pretty cute and pretty good yeah i like the cliffhanger as well of like let's play doctor and I just uh <laughs> do, like, you do you understand the implication <laughs> do you understand the implications of what you just said to me it's like do you un- do you know that's an idiom is that not an idiom in japan i think it must be because clearly that's the joke we're going for yeah it's like hey you want to come over to uh watch netflix in my house and chill um <laughs> uh, do, do you know what that means my sister will be there even more confusing <laughs> so my number five was my hero 
I like this chapter of My Hero it going into a bit more of Toga's backstory. Kind of cool. Her seeing a bit more of her fight scene where she injects three different people and puts on her mask to suck up their blood so that she could be three different people if need be uh, was kind of interesting. It was kind of weird that Landmine somehow managed to booby trap their blood. You know, just give them a little cut. It'll be fine. Yeah, it's just like, I mean, if she can control it to the point where, because I, 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 I think they she make turned it... all of them into a bomb and just detonated the blood, maybe? That's how I took it. Yeah, and that that's what I mean. I was a little confused because the shot of the blood exploding is only shown Toga and, like, her being affected by it. But I was like, did she have to blow up the entire person? Because she kind of made it sound like everyone is dedicated enough to turn themselves into suicide bombers. So they all willingly agreed to become suicide bombers to fight you. It's like, that's impressive. But did that actually happen? Or did you just, do you have enough control to be able to like, I can blow up their blood that's out of them right now? That's the way I took it, but I don't know. Yeah, that I just got a little bit confused by that. So my number five was The Promised Neverland. I did like it, but mostly what I liked was that cliffhanger. The rest of the chapter, like, it's needed to move the story along, and I do like the Norman bits, which is why it got so high. But the cliffhanger is the only part that really grabbed me. Yeah, The Promised Neverland is my number four. I really liked the cliffhanger, which is why it went up high. It was still a solid chapter. I liked the, again, the chess... Imagery? Imagery. What is the the word I'm thinking Metaphor. Well, I mean, it's a chess metaphor, but... All of Promised Neverland has been chess-themed. Yeah. And there's a better word for it than themed. Coded is the word that comes to my mind, and I know it's not the one you want. No. My number four is My Hero Academia, so. Gotcha. So my number three was Food Wars, because even though it was the expected chapter of Food Wars, it was still really solid. It was What I wasn't expecting was Bookmaster to taste Saiba's dish immediately so i kind of was that makes sense to raise the stakes it does i just i don't know how i expected it to happen with also one having to taste her daughter's dish like again i i assume that's for the finale because i assume soma's gonna win although i would not mind if soma lost and erina had to beat saiba yeah i especially since soma's going second i don't think that's how it's gonna play out yeah i don't think so either but like i that's kind of what i was expecting so I was kind of expecting her to either, I think I was expecting that, where Soma will actually lose, and Arina will have to beat Saiba, and that's when she would be tasting the dishes. But that was, so like, it was still good. It was just kind of like, a, oh, I I guess it does make sense that she would taste this one. Yeah. So my number three is One Piece. Pretty good One Piece, but I, One Piece I judge a little more harshly, because One Piece is always pretty good. And it's not, like, the most amazing One Piece we've had. It wasn't even as good as last week. But I do really like that One Piece is in this place where every week I'm like, yeah, time to read One Piece. Yep. Yeah, I've always liked... So One One Piece was my number two because I like the fact that they were like, oh, no, they figured out our plan to stop all these revolutionaries. It's like, well, I mean, we have a whole prison of revolutionaries and there's four, uh, there's three other detention facilities just as big as this one. So we have hundreds of people to help you out. It's like, oh perfect I, I didn't even realize that we were in this situation to suddenly raise an army but awesome that is totally a one piece thing luffy will cause a prison break which he's done before and yeah, get all the prisoners to help him. yeah and get all the prisoners <laughs> to help him out i was like i realize it's kind of tropey at this point but it's just funny that he wasn't even planning on it 
Well, I guess he never planned on it the other times either. He was like, Impel Down was pretty planned. Yeah, but he wasn't planning on breaking everyone out. That's he true. was just planning on breaking Jinbei out. No, he's planning on breaking Ace out. Oh, yeah, that's Ace right. Ace wasn't there. And that's Jinbei right. Was. And Jinbei was. And Crocodile was like, bring me two. Jeremy likes Crocodile. It'll be great. Uh, that was great. Yeah, my number two is Demon Slayer. I might have put it a little high because, like we said, it was a second chapter in a row of just backstory on this guy. But watching the anime has made me think about Demon Slayer a lot more. And I really do like the parallel between him and Tanjiro yeah. that they're obviously going for. And that's very powerful to me because I just watched it for the first time in the anime since I haven't read the early Demon Slayer chapters. Yep. And it made me feel a lot more than One Piece did. So that's why it went higher. Yeah. So our unanimous number one two weeks in a row is Last Sayuki, because damn, do these fight scenes look good. Yeah. And again, it's not only do the fight scene look good, it's like the little things, like I said, of that shot of Ryanosuke and Koharu having their minds linked and that like, line of electricity going across the panel border looked really cool. And I really like the way she floats behind him almost persona-like. Yeah. That's a cool image. And just the tricks with the Niobu. I don't know that this author can keep this up for very long, but it's a very strong start. Especially, it's stronger, I think, than Chainsaw Man or Hellwarden, which we just started as well. Yeah. this And I was excited when both of those started, but not this excited. They weren't regularly making number one. No. So I'm real excited to see where this goes. Yep. And then we have the introduction of a new Duo. kid. Like, he at least, he might be a teenager, maybe. Because again, he, it's He that... reads as older than Ryanosuke to me, but yes. Ryanosuke is very young. So he could be like 13. Yeah. And... So like I said, he might be a teenager. It's kind of hard to tell in anime because he could be 20. You never know. Yeah. He could be like, uh, he could be Ryanosuke's dad's age and just in this body. And I would believe that too. Yep. And we also get a little more backstory into... So Ryanosuke at one point is like, listen, if you just want to make monsters, you can do that already. You can leave Koharu alone. And Kai being like, well, there's one specific monster we want to summon. And in order to do that, we need to open a bunch of people's moo at once. And the only way to do that is with Koharu. Yeah. Like, she's literally the only way to solve our problem. And like the ending of like, why is Son Goku's half other half here? And us not knowing what that refers to exactly yeah it's like is that Ryanosuke because he's got that weird symbol yep. like is that something cool or are they talking to Ryanosuke's dad is he the other half of Son Goku what what's going on with this yeah exactly just super sweet yes is it even like maybe the Yobu and he his dad lied about like yeah we just give this to everyone yeah yeah very much looking forward to that next week but before then we have something else to talk about which is Yomamusha Petal I'm gonna keep with my uh pronunciation it's y-o-w-a yawa I, I, I see where you're coming from but i i see where you're coming from but it just okay you're putting i was like you're putting an m way too early in the word because you're saying yomamushi that's true anyway lots of japanese in uh this one like just because there's lots of place names yeah but anyway we will talk about that after the break So we read Yowamushi Pell. I've caved in the break. 
which is a biking manga, like we alluded to earlier. We do that off panel. I don't remember. Off panel? Yeah. Anything we say off the mic is now off panel on this podcast. It's there you fun. go. That's going to be our Patreon bonus show when we decide to do that. Will we off panel? Where we. Sounds I don't good. Know. We talk about anime? That makes sense. Yeah, there Actually, you go. That makes too much. This is too good an idea, Kevin. Stop me. I don't have time to record any more podcasts. I barely have time for this one. So what did you think of this? I actually really liked this one. The action scenes got me to the point where I was basically hearing them cycling around. Like, I hear them shifting gears, the grinding of the chains, them breathing hard. Like, I, I literally got that into the moment, reading the the pages of them cycling around and it kind of has me interested in so the main character is a otaku who bikes to akihabara every day every week i think he said oh yeah not every day but uh once a week because it's cheaper than taking the bus because he's like i can bike to akihabara for free and so with the money i save not taking the bus i can buy some more capsule toys which, while that's not something that I'm into, I totally understand being into that collection thing. So he's like, oh man, I can buy like five extra capsule toys every week with the money that I save not taking the train. And Akihabara is closer to my school than my house, so it actually works out great. Yeah, I liked this the more I read into it, but the early stuff really didn't do much for me. Part of it, a weird choice they make is they don't reveal the main character's name until chapter two. Yeah. Which is an interesting choice, and I don't know. He came off as too much of an otaku to me. He kind of bothered me in a lot of ways. It's a similar problem I have with Steven Universe, actually. Although, in this case, I can pin it more accurately. And it's he's got that thing where he's only interested in what he's talking about, and he clearly doesn't show any interest in what other people are saying. And that's just really off-putting to me as a character, in addition to it being off-putting to the people in the story. Yeah. Although, as it went on, I did get more and more invested. In particular, because I really like the rival character they're setting up in this series. Yeah. Who is name we actually get first. It's Imazumi. He is basically the hot guy at the school. Yep. But also, he was a cyclist in middle school. And he was very, very good until he lost to this one important race to a rival of his. And that's like got him super fired up. And he's just like, I won't lose again until I get to Nationals and get to cycle against them again. Yep. Which I'm getting very Robot X Laser Beam vibes off of that. Not familiar with that, but... Uh, Robot X Laser Beam was a golfing manga that ran in Shonen Jump for a little while. Gotcha. And they had a, another kind of similar thing where, like, the rival for the main character at the start was somebody who had lost to somebody else. Yeah, he's got... I don't want to say a more traditional Shonen story, but I do really like that he's immediately recognizable. Yes. And he's kind of cut. He kind of gives off like Seto Kaiba rich asshole vibes because he's driven to work or driven to school rather yeah, by a he, driver. And he does come off as very rich. He's like, he owns a like biking treadmill at home and, and several road bikes. And at one point he's like, Hey, do you need another bike? I can loan you one. I got a ton of them. Yeah. So basically the main character's goal, in addition to wanting to go to Akihabara once a week and riding there on his bike, is that he wants to restart the anime club because in middle school he didn't have any friends and he always dreamed of being part of a high school anime club where every day they could talk about their shows and go to Akihabara once a week. Yep. But as soon as he gets there, he finds out that the anime club has been disbanded because it doesn't have enough members. Yep. Which is a classic trope in high school stories. Yeah. So he wants to reinstate the anime club because it says like if you can get at least five members and talk to the sponsor... 
then it can be reinstated. Yeah, that's basically how most of those clubs, it seems, work. If you get five people together with approval, especially with a club that had already been established, like, if you can get five people, we'll reopen the club again, but we can't open it if there's only, like, one person in it. Yeah. Because then that's just you being lazy and wanting an excuse to hang out at school doing nothing. Yeah. And I'm assuming most clubs get tend to get a budget from the school. Mm-hmm. That's that's definitely the impression I get. It's hard to say how much of that is true, given the lens with which we learn about these things. Yeah, but that does kind of happen, at least at the like at the at my college. You could petition to open a club, and they would you'd get a small budget in order to do stuff, as long as you could point out that it was like linked to club activities and. One of the guys I do 40K with runs a club at his high school. He's a teacher there, and he runs a club, and they also get a small budget for the club. So it's not a total loss that it would be like, all right, well, you have to have five members, and you have to prove that you're doing something with this money rather than just like treating this as an expense to get extra cash. Yeah. So he's trying to restart this anime club. He starts putting flyers, and he has, like, a real problem with jocks, you know, the typical kind of loser thing, which I think is another thing that rubs me the wrong way about him. Yeah, he's a very quiet person, and he feels that the jocks are too loud and too... Like, at one point, he's putting up the flyers, and one of the guys from the cycling club is I, like... It's, I think, the teacher of the cycling club, I think... Possibly. He's specifically a teacher. And it doesn't say the cycling club. I definitely got that impression as well. Well, I think we see him in a shot earlier when they're like, hey, look, it's the cycling club. That and he's like be. wearing the, the uniform, essentially. So that's why I got he was part of the cycling club. And he basically goes up to him and was like, hey, you need to recruit face to face. Don't bother with these flyers. A real man does it face to face. Yeah. Which uh, I do at least understand being annoyed at people that are that like in your face about certain things. Like, listen, man, I'm gonna put this flyer up because even if i were to go recruit face to face what is that uh, just go talk to every single person in the school that's insanity yeah and i kind of like that character i'm more talking about the girl who's just like i just hate otaku yeah uh, like she rubs me really the wrong way whereas like this guy is like clearly like he's trying to help yes he's just going about it in the wrong way yeah which is a thing i can get behind especially in a story yeah well and i it's not like i hated the guy i was just i also understood the plight of the the main character there being like i don't like guys that are this pushy i was like i get him being like hey you need to stand up and be more assertive but he just he kind of said it the wrong way to make him just more angry at him uh and sakimachi onada is the name of the main character it's very japanese Uh, what a surprise yes so basically what happens is the rival character sees him biking to Akihabara. He runs him over. Yeah, well, well, that happens first. Yes. His driver runs him over, to be fair. Yeah, so they're going up this, so they, it, this it gets explained later, but their school is kind of at the top of this uh, part of like a hilly section. And so there, there's like two main roads out of it. There's the flat road that kind of goes around the hill. And then there's another road that goes like up the hill. And... The main character, because I, I'm not going to remember that name. Onada? Uh, all right, we can go with Onada. I can probably remember that. Takes the hilly road because he's like, oh, well, it's a, that, that's the shortest route to Akihabara. So I'm going to take that way. So he's listening to music and he's like, ah, oh, nobody ever comes this way. So I can sing at the top of my lungs. So he's singing along and the driver doesn't realize he's there. He like crests a hill and hits him because he's like, I didn't think anybody would be biking this road. But 
Onada is like, oh, don't worry, I fall off my bike all the time because he's literally just totally fine. He doesn't wear a helmet or anything. And so that's when we first see the Iwana. No, what? Imazumi. Imazumi. As like, what? There's no way he was riding his bike all the way up there. He just, he must have been taking breaks to walk and just occasionally riding it. And we just happened to catch him there. Yeah. But then later, Imazuki is like starting to ride his bike around just for practice. He's like, I'll join the cycling club in a couple of days after all the people who just are joining to join the club drop out and they yeah. realize how much work it is. Well, and he and mentioned, I've already talked with the president about yeah. it, like that he's going to let me do that. Yeah. But as he's riding, he sees Onada on his way to Akihabara. And yep. again, he's like, no, I must have just caught him when he randomly decided to start riding. He can't possibly be climbing this entire hill. Yeah, because he's like, like, I'm doing this. I'm doing this hill to practice on my climbing because that's where I lost to that one guy was my climbing skills were very, were very bad. Like my climb is the worst part of my race. So I need to work on that. And this hill is an extreme workout. And he's like, there's no way this random scrub is just riding this way on his mommy bike, which they keep calling it. Yeah, which is another I, term I didn't like. I assume that's a translation thing. Like, it's got to be a translation thing. I always think of them as like leisure bikes. Like they're they're designed more for comfort. It's His has a basket in front because he's probably going to take stuff home he got from Akihabara. Like the thing's three times as heavy as a road bike. Like I, I understood what they were going for. Yeah, me too. I just didn't like the constant translation it seems it seems like a derivative one character would come up for it but like everybody calls it that yeah but they're also the only people that really tend to talk about it are the cycling enthusiasts so they kind of would be like oh i can't believe he's riding that thing like i again i call them leisure bikes i don't know that they actually really have a a thing here because it's not it's not it's as big as a mountain bike without like the shocks or anything like that and I think part of the reason I started to like this more the more I got into it is I really like the supporting cast, even though I don't like the main character, including Imazuki, because instead of the typical shonen rival of he couldn't possibly hold a candle to me, oh, ho, 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 he's like, you know what? I should challenge that guy to a race to be sure that, like, the stuff I'm assuming is true. Because yeah. if he's actually really good at climbing for some random reason. Then, I want to figure out the yeah. secret to it. Yeah. Yeah, and I liked that aspect of it as well. That and the... We have a cycling enthusiast girl. Yeah, who at first I was like, oh, this trope again. We've been doing sports manga all uh, month. I've seen this character three times. Yeah. But as she was able to get like more character later on, she really grew on me in a way that when she first shows up, it's just the girl who is nice to Onada. I was like, here we go again. Yep. But like that, she's super, super into cycling and exists to like be both a exposition bot for the audience who doesn't know as much about it yep. as well as a contrast to Onada because she's so into it. Yeah. That works really well. Yeah. And she, it's not that she, she's nice to everybody, but she's like also into the cycling club. So one of the reasons she was nice to him was that she saw him on a bike. She was like, Oh, Hey, you like biking too? Kind of like I, you know, we, we made a connection because you like something that I do. Yeah. And he's like, no, not really. I like anime. Yeah, he's like, I just ride my bike because it's free. Yeah. So, Onada is challenged to a race, and he wants to decline because he... At first, he's even like, a race? What even is that? Yeah, he was like, why would you want to race me? What, I, what, why would I care? Yeah, but Imazuki is like, you're trying to get 
members of the anime club, right? I will join if you beat me. So that yeah. way you have incentive to try. Yep. Well, I definitely like that he basically gets slapped in the face by one of the flyers that Onada drops because they're on like the roof. And he's like, well, according to this, you're looking for anime club members. And there's a brief bit. Another thing I don't like about this, and this is just a reality of Western media that you don't see as much in Japanese media, is that whenever they bring up anime, they have to make up something that clearly is a reference to something else. Yeah. For copyright reasons. And that's always something that kind of rubs me the wrong way in stories. Even yeah. though I understand it's kind of necessary. Yeah, I know what you mean. But anyway, so the stakes are set and we get this race. And Imazuki's even like, I'm going to give you a 15-minute head start and it'll just be us. But the girl who's super into racing, who is Miki Kanazaki, like just pestered them so much that they told her about it. And then like, she brought a cheering section along yeah, with her. She, she told like everyone, hey, the hot guy's going to get in a bike race. I, and, and he's like, I specifically told you not to tell anyone. No, listen, I really like, so we have Onada and I'm going to keep getting his name wrong. Imazaki? Imazumi. Imazumi is standing there and he's like, any questions? He's like, Onada's like, yeah, who are all, all of those people? <laughs> and Imazumi is like. I, I don't, don't know, know either, and I just, I really like that, where he was like, I have no idea who these people are either. I, I am not Gary Oak. I did not bring my cheerleaders to this serious race I want to have. Yeah, it was great. Um, Yeah, but anyway, and she kind of peps Onada up by, he's like, oh man, like, they're all cheering him on. And she's like, yeah, because he's super hot. But, like, if you beat a super hot dude, that will just make you cooler? Yeah, well, not only, if you beat the super hot cycling guy on a crappy bike, that will make you look even cooler. He's like, what? Somebody will think I'm cool. <laughs> yeah, it's like, I've never been cool before. So the rest of the manga is basically devoted to the race. There's yep. a pretty good part at the start. He has, uh, Imazuma also gives him a 15-minute handicap. Yep. Which he reveals later is because he's only interested in watching him climb, but wants him to warm up first. So, like, the first part of the race is a flat. Yep. And during it, for the first time, Onata realizes that he's fast at biking. Yeah, he's like, wow, I'm actually going fairly quickly because he's given a little odometer thing. He's like, wow, I'm going 29 kilometers an hour. I'm going fa as fast as somebody on a scooter. Normally, I don't pay attention, so I don't notice how fast I'm going. Because, like, I don't watch the scenery or anything like that. And the, all the cheerleaders are like, hey, shouldn't you, like, go already? And they're like, we explained it at the start. It's a handicap race. Because there's also this great bit where the cycling enthusiast girl just comes up with this grand name for the race. Which I wrote down, but I realized is mostly funny to me because it's a bunch of Japanese words. Yep. And But also the joke is, like, how long and elaborate it is. Yeah. And they're like, hey, he's probably already starting the climb portion. He's like, yeah, probably. But that was my plan because I know I can catch up to him super easily, and that is the part I'm interested in watching. Yep. And we find out he goes out, like, 45 kilometers per hour when he's yeah racing the flat, and he very quickly catches up, which kind of tanks Onada's spirit for a moment. Yeah, because at first he was like, is this okay? Like, I've already made it two-thirds of the way through the course, and he hasn't even started yet. Like, maybe... At first he's like, maybe I should slow down. He's like, no. I need to push through to win more members for the anime club so that I can finally have friends. Yes. Because, you know, coercing people into joining your club via races is the classic way to earn friends, right? Well, basically, he wants him to join, and he's like, well, if there's two people, we'll maybe be actually be able to get people who are into 
anime. That's true. There is the one point where he's like, what's your favorite anime? And he's like, Doraemon? He's like, oh, that's a classic. I love all... And he's like going off about it. He's like, wait, no, I should probably wait until you're actually in the club. Let's go. (laughs) And I love there's a shot of Imazumi being like, wait, does he think he's going to beat me? (laughs) Yeah. So anyway, he loses kind of his morale when he gets past because like, even though Imazumi is impressed that he's actually able of climbing this like super steep hill. He's not as good as it, as Imazumi is. Well, and also he's like, I had a 15 minute head start and he just passed me. Yeah. Like that's insane. Yes. But uh, Miki and all the cheerleaders have crammed into a taxi that they have hired. Yes. And are following. And she's like, Hey, stop. Like, why did you stop? And he's like, yeah, like he's way faster than me. And I just kind of, lost the spirit to go after that. And she's like, your seat is at the incorrect height. Let me fix it for you. Yep. And he's like, but my feet can't touch the ground. She's like, perfect. When was the last time you adjusted your bike? I don't know when I got it. So when you were in third grade? Yeah. And she's like, yeah, that this will make it way more efficient. And also, Imazubi had noticed that like the his technique was that he just had real fast revolutions per minute while cycling. Yeah, and they mentioned that's the way Lance Armstrong did his climbs so imazumi does a combination of he will like sit and pedal and then he will do a standing pedal and he'll kind of like rotate between the two during his climb and that's like one way of doing it but the way onada does it is just you essentially just drop it down to a lower gear and just start cranking and so like you don't need to do a standing pedal at all you just sit there and just do a ton of rotations over and over again yeah which is obviously exhausting, but because he's done this every week for like all his life, he's super good at it. Yeah, and it, there's probably a trade-off with like it's probably it's honestly probably not super like fit strength intensive. I'm guessing is what it is. Like it's exhausting from a stamina standpoint of having to pump your legs so many times, but you probably don't have to put that much force into each pedal. Unlike with a standing pedal, you have to put quite a lot of force into each. Pu- push to get your to get the pedals around when you run it at that lower gear it feels like you're kind of like not doing anything at all yeah just sitting there kind of just running your legs and he specifically mentions once his seat is at the right height like it becomes almost no work whereas before it was actually kind of tiring for him yeah to do it like that yeah they do mention if you're if your saddle height is incorrect it's uh they say sometimes it's up to a 60 percent loss in power which actually makes sense because the way you want it is you want your leg to f- basically be fully extended right at the end of your revolution. And so the way he had it before is that he was his leg never fully extended, so he never got the full strength of his leg with every st- stroke of the pedals. So basically he manages to catch up. And the last chapter is basically thus the two of them kind of going neck and neck for a little while. Onada's um, still always behind I- Imazumi. Until the very end, he does catch up. Yes. But... And Imazumi, like, notices the technique more. He's like, oh, man, he caught up to me. Like, I really need to pay attention to this. And he also, I don't remember if it's him or Miki, but they notice that his bike has been modified. Like, not only is it kind of a bad bike to start with, but the front gear has been made smaller. Yeah, he, it's, Imazumi notices it, and then Miki explains it because gotcha. she also noticed it. Probably so that he couldn't, like, bike very far away from home. Yeah, they were like, they probably gave him a smaller gear so that he couldn't bike very far from home. That's kind of like, when you're giving a bike to a third grader, that makes sense for a little kid. All right, so we'll make it difficult to go far distances so he'll be less likely to do it 
So he will stay closer to home when he's riding around on his bike and he'll be safer. Like that makes sense. But the fact that he has been training for like 10 years on that bike with that gear ratio is insanity. Cause they're like, wait, he does like a 90 kilometer ride every week. And they're like, that means he has to pedal way more than normal just to go anywhere. Yep. But it also is kind of an advantage in a climb using the technique he uses. Yeah. Which is why he's using pedal. the, yeah. Which is why he's using that technique. Yeah. And so the basically the manga ends with him just catching up. Uh, Imazumi is like, okay, I have to race serious for the last bit of this, but that's not too bad because we're almost done with the race. And- yeah. So he switches to a technique called dancing on the pedals. And I've seen this before. This is different from a standing pedal. This is literally you will lean the bike side to side to get literally all of the force and weight of your body on each stroke. So on the downstroke, you lean your bike that way, and then you lean it back over for the downstroke of the other pedal. And they mentioned it takes a lot of strength and endurance to keep that up, but as the most powerful strokes you can get with every push. So for last legs or stuff like that, it's perfect to do the dancing on the pedals thing. It, it looks extremely difficult. Like, I've seen cyclists do it before, and it looks like they're going to topple over. But... Onada manages to catch back up, and they're neck and neck. And the last panel is some shadow bike strangers. <laughs> you know, you imagine an anime with some shadowy strangers. Yes. That's the last panel. Only they have bikes. So I did, this series did really grow on me the closer we got to the end. And I did want to keep going when we hit the uh, limit at the end, which is pretty typical. Manga is good at ending on cliffhangers, too. Yeah. Make you buy the next volume. Yeah, and I think this was a really good ending of the volume, because it wasn't just the... Like, we don't even know the results of the race, not just what's going to happen next. It's like, we don't even know who won. That's a great volume ending. Yeah, and I really like the sports manga that actually involved a race or a meet more than the ones that didn't. Well, Slam Dunk didn't involve a game, and you really like that That's one. true, but like I, from like a pacing standpoint, yeah. I appreciate it. Like, that was a frustration I had with Slam Dunk. And also, kind of, with Prince of Tennis, it had some tennis games, but it didn't really seem to have like a big one. Yeah. But this and Eye Shield did. Yeah. And it probably did have the best ending of them. Yeah. And like I said, I did really like the action scenes of this manga where it, it to me, I could literally hear them riding along on a bike. Like I, I got that into it with the action scenes. I could hear them pedaling their way up the hill. I really like the cartoony art style too. It's not like super cartoony, but Imazuma is drawn like a super serious manga protagonist. Yeah. And everybody else is kind of more of a comedy manga style. Yep which I appreciate. And like I said, the supporting cast, as they get more and more involved in the story, I like them more and more. Yep. So overall, I did like the series. I would be interested in reading some more of it, but the main character doesn't really do much for me. It's everyone around him. Yeah, but I'm not going to say that I'm used to manga like that, but that's kind of something that, like, that's one of the things I liked about Bleach. Ichigo's not a block of wood, but he's not the reason that I like it, it's the other people interacting with him. So we will have to see how Onada does on personality power level. Vegeta, what does the scouter say about his power level? So personality power level is the list where we rank manga characters from best to worst. At the top, we have Izuki Midoriya from My Hero Academia. At the very bottom, we have that guy who's not Yamcha from that time I got reincarnated as Yamcha. And in the dead center, we have Asta from Black Clover. So I kind of like him the least of all the sports manga protagonists, but I think he might be a better character than Ryoma just because his goal is more tangent to what he's doing. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, So above Ryoma, you think? Sure. 
But under Santa? Yeah. From Ice Shield 21? Yeah, that seems I, very quick. No, we, we have a range between them. Oh, we do have a range between them? I, I'm, I'm establishing a florid ceiling. Yeah, that's fine. So kind of near the center of those, we have Yu-Gi-Oh! from We Never Learn, and I don't like him nearly as much as I like Yu-Gi-Oh! No, I don't either. Which meets the final question, does he go above or below Sora from No Game, No Life? I like Sora more. Yeah, and I'm kind of ambivalent on that, but I was leaning towards Sora, so he will go uh, directly above Ryoma at number 21, below Sora. Uh, we don't have Aishield 21 at number 21. Well, one day, maybe. Maybe. No, so Sakamichi Onada goes at number 20. All right, so with that, we're almost summer now. Golden Week's going to be in just a couple of weeks, and that's basically the official start of summer, right? For right. a Japanese person, sure. So we are going to spend all summer just reading shonen manga, because that's really what Kevin and I are interested in. Yep. And that seems like a cool thing to do on the summer vacation we don't get, because we're old people. Yep. And if you're ever going to start a survey of shonen manga, I think you should start with Dragon Ball. So next week, we are going to read Dragon Ball Volume 2, and hopefully we will like it more than the first one. Yeah. If you want to see what we thought about the first one, you can listen to our episode on that. It's the very first episode we recorded, and you can find it at lashpodcast.com. That's also where you'll find the personality power level list, as well as a link to our Discord, which is the best way to talk to us if you're interested in that. If you want to suggest some shonen manga, we'd be very happy to have some. You can also find my other two podcasts, Last Time on Video Games, where I talk about video games every other week. And It's a Gundam, our episode-by-episode Gundam Seed podcast, which is just getting to the height of Gundam Seed. So I recommend you give that a look. If you'd like to help us out, just tell a friend about us. We'd really appreciate that. Or give us a five-star review on your podcatcher of choice. Our opening theme is Fighting Against One's Will by Midair Machine. Our closing theme is A Psychic Fist Fight by Tom W. Emerit. Other music is by Spectacular Sound Productions. And our album art is by Kate Wind on DeviantArt. Is there anything you'd like to plug this week, Kevin? Not this week. All right. We will see you next week when we got to find that Dragon Ball. Yomamushi Pedal? I think I'm saying it right? I think it's Yawamushi Pedal. Yep, okay. There's no A in there, at least not as I wrote it down. Okay, but it is a U. Huh, okay. Well, I don't know. Y-O-W-A-M-U-S-H-I. Yawamushi.